Well, thank you, Adriana, for that video. It's so good to have this chance to worship together in this way. And we're really just continuing to be the church as we meet and as we gather and worship in this way. I'm so thankful for each of you. Uh, a couple of days ago on Friday, we sent out uh, what we're calling our comeback plan. Uh, it's rolled out in stages, just like uh, the state of Idaho uh, is being rolled out according to the leadership of our, our governor and our state officials. Um, and so if you have not uh, gotten that plan and would like to receive it, please email the church office at office at mhnazarene.org and we will get you a copy of that. Uh, as you've read through it, if you have comments or reactions, I would love to hear from you. You can email the office or email me at trent at mhnazarene.org. Um, would love to hear your thoughts. Um, our priority being we want to be back together, but we want to get back together when it's safe to do so. And so uh, the details of that plan, I'm not going to get into here, but I wanted to make you aware. Uh, and then also today, what a day to celebrate our graduates. We are so um, thankful. We're so proud of those of you who've reached this milestone and we want to celebrate with you and congratulate you. Um, we, we, <laughs> we grieve with you also and lament the loss uh, that you are experiencing this season as, as uh, reality has not met expectations for you in this season. Uh, regardless of that, we want to say that we love you and we're proud of you uh, and we wish to celebrate you. And thanks, Val, for putting together uh, that grad video earlier so that we can celebrate those who are graduating from high school this year, uh, but also other graduations, right? People graduating from um, college or vocational schools or different things. Uh, this is a weird season to be journeying through some of these milestones. And so uh, we, we just uh, wanna say that we're with you. Uh, we wanna walk these days with you and we celebrate you uh, today. Uh, today, we, we embark on the sixth Sunday of Easter. We continue on this journey of exploring the implications of Christ's resurrection. He is risen. The response is, He is risen indeed. And now, through this season of Easter, we say, now what? What, what are the implications? How does this change us and shape us? How is the world reoriented or, or tilted on its axis ever so slightly or, or completely now that Christ has, has, has resurrected, the change has come that, that Christ's body is no longer in the grave. John's gospel is an excellent book to look to. Uh, why? Because John told us from the beginning who Jesus was. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word was there in the beginning. From, from the very start, Christ was present. Uh, and so uh, there's, no, there's no hidden mystery. There's no surprise in the Gospel of John uh, who Jesus is. And so the Gospel of John just gives us this rich insight into the implications of Christ being Messiah, Christ being the risen Lord. And so today we're going to turn, turn again to, to John chapter 14. I invite you to turn there. Again, I, I invite you to find a Bible. Push pause on the video if you need to. Find a Bible. Get your app on your 
<laughs> tablet or your phone pointed to John 14. And we're continuing right where we left off last week, starting with verse uh, 15 and, and reading through verse 21. So we're reading from the Gospel of John. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. I will ask the Father, and he will send another companion who will be with you forever. This companion is the Spirit of truth, whom the world can't receive because it neither sees him nor recognizes him. You know him because he lives with you and will be with you. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live too. On that day you will know that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them loves me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love them and reveal myself to them. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. How do you, how do you teach obedience? Let me ask this question. How do you teach obedience? For those, who you, those of you who've raised toddlers before, how do you teach and enforce obedience? <laughs> really, I, I'm uh, uh, asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, how, how, do you, how do you teach it? How, how, maybe, maybe this is another way of asking the question. How compliant of a child were you? <laughs> I was a pretty good kid. I, I, I tried to do what my parents wanted me to do. Most of the time, that, that's who I was. My wife says that, that my mom consistently said that I, I just could do no wrong as a child. <laughs> Clearly, that's, that's a bit of a stretch. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, but I was really fairly obedient uh, as, as a child. We break in on this talk of, of obedience, really wearing our, our Western glasses, looking through, looking through the text in, in what, we, what we see from day to day uh, and, and how we've been raised in this independent United States culture that we live in. We're, we're normally fairly free from outside oppressive forces controlling, <laughs> controlling our obedience. However... This might be one of those times. This, this could be the very time that, that we understand to some degree, uh, maybe even uh, more, than, more than usual, uh, what it means to, to have to obey or to be encouraged to obey, right? Enter COVID-19, enter this current global pandemic. What an interesting cultural and sociological study this whole <laughs> quarantine or shelter in place has really turned out to be. You, you find some who, who, who are ready to, to say, you can't tell me what to do. I, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to take these precautions. This should be uh, for, for a certain select group of people. Um, and, and I'm fine. I'm okay. Uh, and, and almost this attitude of, you can't tell me what to do. Right? And you have others that are taking this very seriously and, and taking every precaution and, and wanting others to do so too and feel that uh, this is a time when it's not worth it to risk um, 
not following the recommendations that we've been given. <laughs> maybe to more than maybe today more than ever, uh, we get a little taste of of life in Israel for for first century Christians, for first century Israelites, first century worshipers. Uh, they lived in an occupied country. They they had this national identity as Israel. They had these practices and customs, but the Roman government ruled. The Roman government was in control of everything. They paid taxes to, to a foreign entity, taxes to the, to the Roman uh, controlling state, uh, to which they had no representation. They were always looking over their shoulder for Roman influence and Roman intrusion. Uh, and and all, all the authority that Israel was given was given by this other state, by this foreman foreign power. Naturally, uh, for human nature, I think power is positional. That the ability to control, the the ability to demand obedience is positional. There's There's a reason why we obey the people that we obey, right? Obey the speed limit or else yeah, you, you get a ticket. If you, if you do a crime, uh, you're going to be found out. You're going to be arrest, arrested. If you, if you want, or, or, or when it's time, you show up on time to the job site and you do the job or else you don't get paid. Um, obedience is something that, that for human nature is very positional and very power-oriented. And Israel was no exception. Israel knew how to obey and how to fall into line. And Jesus enters this whole new thought, this whole new way of living. This would have sounded um, odd from, from the, in the ears of New Testament followers of the way. Uh, it was also odd. It's also, also odd for us. It's, it's, a, it's a different way of thinking about obedience. Love and obedience are tied together. Love and obedience are tied together. Obedience flows out of, out of relationship in this model that Jesus gives us in John 14. Uh, I read one commentator who, who said it very well. For, for Carson, he said this, uncompromising connection between love for Christ and obedience to Christ repeatedly occurs in John writings. John's writings. If you look through uh, the Gospel of John, if you look through First, Second, and Third John, that love for Christ and obedience to Christ repeatedly recurs. The linkage. This is what Carson says. The linkage approaches the level of definition. That one is not causal of another. That that one doesn't follow another but that the linkage is so tight that it's almost a definition, that that obedience is the definition of love. Uh, See, see, obedience in this light changes the whole nature of the passage. Obedience isn't obligation. Obedience flows out of love and out of relationship, out of closeness and care. The call is to be so in love that obedience is is natural 
that obedience is part of what it means to love. It's not, it's not even a prove it type of obedience. Have you ever played horse or pig, uh, you know, the basketball game where if you make a shot, the next person in line has to make the shot or, or they get the letter and they get that last one, uh, get to the last letter and you get a chance to prove it, right? You either get two shots or you can make the person uh, who took the first shot prove it. That's not, this isn't prove it type of obedience. Prove that you love me by obeying my commands. That's not what Jesus is saying obedience isn't proof. Oh, obedience isn't the pr- prerequisite either. Oh, you can lo- you can say that you love me if you begin to obey. Obedience is the evidence. It's the very outflow of re- loving relationship with God. It becomes very clear here that that Jesus keeps speaking about being separated from the disciples, right? He had talked about it before uh, in chapter 13. Uh, We talked about it last week that this this is the start of his farewell discourse. This is happening in the upper room in the context of the Last Supper. And and as we talk about relationship uh, being the fuel for obedience on the part of the followers of Jesus. We also see relationship from Jesus, that that Jesus has this loving, almost pastoral care for the disciples, like like a caring parent, like one who cares for his kids, like, like a shepherd who goes after the lost sheep and tends to his flock. Jesus has this relationship and this this connection with the disciples that says, I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you alone. For out of this love relationship, this, this covenantal relationship between God and his creation, which was started back in the Old Testament, which we, we read about even, even in the pages of the Old Testament, and, and to which the New Testament audience would have been familiar it is this covenantal relationship that, that leads Jesus to this point. And, it, and out of that comes this incredible provision from Christ. He's going to send the advocate. He's going to send the helper. He's going to send the paraclete, paracletos, the Holy Spirit, the one who walks with them. These disciples would not be left alone. These, these, these disciples would not become orphans. They would not become leaderless. They would not uh, wander around wondering where Christ is and what Christ would have them do. I sense in this whole provision a message from Christ that he wants to leave none of us none of his children as as orphans. The reality is Jesus couldn't be with them all. They had this mission. They had this task for while he was there, they, they had followed him around. They had learned from him. He had taught them. He had taught them the ways of what it means to live in covenantal relationship with God. And yet the time had come. The time had come for them to go and to share and to spread the good news, the good life-changing news that Christ had risen from the dead. 
and he couldn't be with all of them. This, this provided gift is evidence of Christ's love for his disciples and for all those that would believe through them. I don't want you left as orphans, Christ says. And he says, my father will provide for you this helper. This new advocate on your behalf. Here again, Jesus is talking uh, about going away. If you flip through uh, the chapters, even uh, back in chapter 13, uh, Peter, Peter said, you keep talking about going away. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to leave you. Uh, and Jesus says, well, actually, you're going to deny me three times before the end of the night. Um, Thomas said he didn't like it earlier in 14. He said, just, just tell us where you're going. How can we know the way if we don't know where you're going? Just tell us the way. Philip didn't like this talk of leaving and said, just show us the Father. That'll be enough if you show us the Father. This, these chapters before 13 and 14 leading up to this point, Jesus keeps talking of going away. And yet in relationship, Jesus says, I won't leave you alone. I won't leave you alone, but God will send you one in my place. And here, Jesus returns to relationship, even though I'm going away, even though this is, uh, I, I go away to prepare a place for you, I am still inviting you into relationship. You Jesus says, you, Jesus says, myself, and Jesus says, the Father will be in relationship. As the passage closes, we see, again, we see the, the author of this gospel proclaim the truth that, that obedience is not power-driven. What does he say? He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them loves me. Whoever loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Obedience isn't power-driven. Obedience of this type is centered in on relationship. It's not power-driven, positional, hierarchical reality that we tend to, we tend to believe obedience can, can sometimes fall into that mode of living for us at times. But that's such an such a unhealthy view of obedience when we talk about our life in Jesus Christ. We, we, we kind of want it to be that way. We're trained that way. We're so trained that it's, it's easy to obey with power and position that's enforced by, <laughs> by consequence and pain. This is natural and normal for us. But God invites us further in. God invites us toward a new and more robust, a, a full reality. The full truth of the theology of the gospel is that obedience is the definition of our love for God and for Jesus Christ. That the relationship we enjoy with Christ is not proven by our obedience. We don't show evidence of, of relationship by obeying. Do you, yeah, I've got a relationship with Christ, you see? I obey. This isn't achievement or accolade-based. You see how well I obey. Yeah, I'm a pastor. 
No. Obedience is essential. Obedience is essential. That it becomes for us part of the definition of this covenantal love relationship that we enjoy with the Creator. It is an essential, by definition, type of obedience. It's the essence of what relationship with Christ truly is. And then we find we're invited into this connection, this, this triune connection with God that feeds and fuels our relationship and our faith. You and me and Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, God the Father, in connection, that we might be shaped by them, that we might be shaped by our faith, the Holy Spirit might move in us and through us, that we might model our lives after the life of Jesus Christ, and that we might worship God with all that we are, in whom we live and move and have our being. May our love, may our obedience, may our relationship with God look like that, we pray. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for today and thank you for the chance to worship you today. I'm so thankful for this passage where the gospel writer talks about love and obedience just as a connected thought is something that's just essential to one to the other uh, and, and vice versa, God. That we don't have anything to prove, that we're not trying to accomplish anything. It's just a part of loving you. I pray today for our church family that you would champion in this, uh, champion this in us, that you would make this a part of, of what it means to worship you to follow you, to love you, to live in covenant relationship with you. We're so grateful for your love for us. May we love you with all that we are. May we obey what you have for us, your teachings, and how you would, how you would move us, how you would shape us. Lord, during this time, if there's something that you're speaking to us, would you make us soft and sensitive to hear? Like soft clay in the potter's hands, would you shape us and form us into the vessel that you would have us be? Be with us this week, I pray, and thank you for your provision for us in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ.